and sometimes why. Why? Welcome to episode number one. On the show today, we have a conversation with Scott Cooper. But before we get to that, I've got a question. Why start a podcast called And Sometimes Why? Well, let me explain. What we're here for or what I'm here for is to talk about ideas, to talk about people's thought processes, to talk about what gets people out of bed in the morning. I want to know how people make decisions. I basically want to know how people work intellectually, emotionally, and otherwise. I just want to learn. And another question some of you may be asking yourselves is, why in the world, Rob, regardless of what you name it, would you start a podcast, period, now? I mean, at this time in history when podcasts are the trendiest thing going. Everybody and their brother is starting a podcast, but this is something I've been wanting to do for over 10 years, but just never had the courage to do it. And the way I can answer the question why I would start one, I think is podcasts have really nourished me in the last many years of my life. I listen to podcasts all day long and podcasts like Mark Maron's podcast and Armchair Expert and many others have really nourished the need I have for a sort of intimacy that you get with people just talking to each other in a way that you can't in regular social interaction. Like I'm the kind of guy who will go to a party and meet someone and probably corner them or maybe they feel like they're cornered because I just want to get into it. I want to dig into real stuff. I want to dispense with the pleasantries and talking about other people's lives and world events and other seemingly important stuff. But to me, it it doesn't do it for me. What I'm really looking for is people's thought processes, how people feel when they're doing certain things or what stops them from doing things that they might really want to do, but they're scared to do. Which brings me to my next thing, which is uh, in doing this podcast. So by this point, by the point that I'm at right now in front of this mic alone in my apartment, I've already done four conversations. I'll call them conversations because I don't really want to think of them as interviews. Really, I just want to have a conversation with people and hear what makes people tick and why anyone does anything and how they feel about it when they're doing it. So at this point, I've already done four of those, but I've been really scared to death of just sitting in front of a mic alone and talking and knowing that it will go out into the world and... uh I won't be able to take it back. Yeah, I, I think I, I've been thinking about it and I, I think that's what's been stopping me. So I'm trying to get over that and learn how to talk to a mic and a computer screen alone in a room like it matters. Because for those of you who know me through music, and that's probably the the bulk of you who've come to this podcast, you know me through knowing that I, I've been playing music for the last 25 years, and the bulk of what I've been doing is playing for people in a room live. And so, obviously, it's a huge difference to talk on a mic to a bunch of human beings with eyes and brains <laughs> looking back at you and the immediate feedback you get compared to just staring at a computer screen with a wall behind 
behind it and nothing else and trying to make it feel real like something that a real human being will want to eventually listen to so uh i'm gonna look at it as a work in progress okay now that i've said all that let's get to what really matters which is the conversations that i'll be having with people and this is the first one of those this is a conversation i had a few weeks ago with my dear friend Scott Cooper. Now, Scott Cooper, for those of you who don't know him and don't know his work, he's uh, the real deal. He's a Renaissance man in the true sense of the word. He's a modern Renaissance man. He's a singer-songwriter. He's a producer. He's an audio post engineer. He's a designer. He, he taught me how to run Pro Tools, the recording software, back in the day. He's done so many interesting things. I love his aesthetic. I love the way he looks at the world. And uh, you're going to get to hear more about that. So without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Scott Cooper. Really? Are you okay like this? Or, yeah, or no, is I don't it? care. This is great. <laughs> so it's funny. I've thought about this a lot in psyching myself up to do this thing. And just the idea of a formalized conversation with someone who is a close friend and has been for years and years, to me, seems, on the one hand, why do it? But on the other <laughs> hand, you know what I mean? Because I mean, we talk to each other when we see each other. And yeah, we've been yeah. friends for all these years. We've had all these interesting conversations. But on the other hand, lately I've been listening to podcasts and kind of living a certain part of my life through insights I get through these conversations. And I feel like I've had so many of those conversations with close friends of mine. And I feel like sharing that would be a good thing because of the experience I've had with podcasts, right, right? right? We've done many different projects together and I've gotten to know you, I think pretty well, both you know, as a human being, but also as an artist. When I think about you, I think about Renaissance Man. I think about that you're so good at so many different things and your artistic skills are so refined in many different areas, you know, singer-songwriter, graphic designer, producer for other people, you know, food connoisseur, to be described that way. Does it feel like you're a Renaissance man? As soon as I ask that question, I'm like, of course, very few people will say, yeah, yes, I'm a Renaissance <laughs> yes, man. Yes, that's correct, Rob. You have me pegged. No, but you, you've mentioned that to me a few times, and I always found it interesting that you thought that. Most of the time, I'm just I just try to figure things out. I think the word that I would use would be more like resourceful. That's one thing that always comes up in my my professional endeavors is like if I'm into something or I have to do something, I usually can figure out a way to make it work. And if it's something that I'm interested in, then I can get as nerdy as the next person and just dive into something to the point where I'm probably really really in the weeds. But I feel like I have to figure it out, or it kind of drives at me. So like that's kind of how I got into okay, I want to make records around record or something, but I don't really know how to do it. I don't really have any money to pay, you know, a studio and I don't really know what I'm doing. So I would just figure stuff out and I'd be like, well, I'm going to, you know, go rent a, a four track from Long McQuaid or whatever and figure out how to use it. Right. I don't know if I was doing it right or not, but you just kind of, through trial and error, figure things out. It's kind of like the new pre-YouTube kind of thing where if you don't know how to do something, you look it up on YouTube and you're like, how? totally. Luckily, we've had the internet a lot, a lot of times. But in my formative years where I figured out how to do a lot of things that I know how to do now pre-YouTube, that was more interesting. But it, there always seemed to be a resource. Uh -huh. where I was just never afraid to just make mistakes and 
do stuff. I don't know why. See, um, that's, a, that's a big thing. Just hearing you say that gives me a lot about your character, like not being afraid to, to just dive in and figure it out and, you know, produce work while you're doing it. It's funny you say that because that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Like just this concept of work is really, really hangs me up sometimes because I always, I always compartmentalize the things that I get myself involved in. Uh -huh. And if it's something more like quote unquote career based, that's work. Right. But if it's music or it's uh, personal interest, that's playtime. For lack of a better word, it just... Uh, it really is split in your mind that way, though. Yeah, and I don't know why, because that's something that I'm trying, I've, all, I've been trying to get better at is when you're doing something, if you're producing something, regardless of what it is, that that's work. That's your work, right? Sure. But so I want to be able to honor that in, in a new kind of way where it's like, I, no, I'm, do, I'm doing work. You, just because I like it... Yeah, doesn't, that's, that's a big thing, Doesn't right? mean that that it's not work, and this is my work, you know? And, and so... Because I often struggle. I don't, you know, I, I haven't had a straight ahead like arts career. I've always just kind of had this balance of some kind of day job that that I could manage or be okay with that would then facilitate me making art whenever I could or with the uh -huh. resources from that. But it was always, that was playtime. So it's like, how do you build a body of, you know, quote unquote work when you're on the clock? So if it's like, if I go to a job and I, I didn't care about the job, I had a very, very hard time, like like anybody would, like focusing on it or doing the work, right? Right. A lot of the stuff that I've created, I've done while I was probably supposed to be doing something else. If that <laughs> to, makes any sense, oh, totally. you know what I mean? It's so funny, the things that you don't really like to do, that, that's work, but if you just think about it differently, you could change so much about your life. I'm not saying you, I'm, I'm talking to myself more than anything, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be great to like change that little subtle thing in your mind and just enjoy everything you're doing? But yeah, that's a little bit... Uh, pie in the sky thing because there's always going to be something that, yeah. that you're not thrilled to be doing and that's that's part of me like i just don't i'm just wired that way i just don't i don't want to be doing this yeah, yeah. really and hard so time do getting something else it. and so i'll go do something else I'll and do completely else. put it off and then my wife comes home or something and like what have you been doing today and you're like well <laughs> i made this sick beat and she'll be like that's not that's not what i that's not what you were supposed to be doing and so <laughs> what, have you ever, ever had like that like cross the line with the art and the, the making music stuff where you're you know you're halfway through an album and then all of a sudden the album starts to feel like work. Yeah, I've no I've had that happen a few times. Um not spe specifically on projects that I didn't enjoy, but but sometimes, you know, I have a I I burn myself out pretty easily and I get I get cooked pretty fast. I I actually remember with you when we were doing like a metaphor and times like that, you were working like when we were working on that album, I I was had a day job yeah, yeah, and then yeah. we'd record at night. And you were you were set to go, and 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 sometimes we'd hit midnight, you, and I'd, already, I'd get yeah. pretty cooked, right? And it's I wanted so badly to be there, and sometimes I would just physically run out of juice. Yeah, and you'd be you'd be rocking. I remember the night before we you turned in the master, we were like you were just doing those last minute tweaks, and we stayed up all night. And I think I fell asleep like seven times, <laughs> and I felt so badly because I was trying to, to be there and help with it. And you were just like, well, you had this deadline and you were like, we have to bring this to mastering yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, but it's not that I didn't enjoy that. It's just like, I physically yeah, ran out of yeah, gas. I don't know if that's the same sort of scenario, but... Now that I look back you know, at that, though, I think I was being kind of a dick when no, you think of, no, like, no. you know, here you are working. You'd already been, you know, working a full day's work and then I show up you know, I'd go to bed at four or five in the morning regularly because I was playing five nights a week. And then right. I'd get up around noon and then start my day, whereas you'd already been up for five hours by that point or yeah, whatever I, it was, I wouldn't right? say that I'd put in a full day's work, <laughs> but I'd certainly right. been, been up since, you know, eight or so and, yeah. and, and having having to be at work. But uh, 
Fortunately, in that time, I wasn't doing hard labor, so it wasn't that hard. I just would run out of gas. But it's not that it, I, I didn't mean to use that as an example. I just can't think of another time where you, you just be kind of cooked. But it wasn't that I wanted, like, I didn't want to not be there. You mm-hmm. know, had it been five hours earlier, I'd have been on fire, right? I found when I was younger, that was definitely a mistake, I think, on my part. I used to work way longer days than I should. I find these days, it's like, you put in a good four, five, maybe six-hour tops for a session for like one chunk of doing more or less the same thing on a particular project. And I find that it's diminishing returns after that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally agree. Yeah. I read something recently that, that the average person in their job like actually works, like I'm, t- I'm talking about a labor job, but like actually works three to four hours a day yeah. on, a, on an eight hour day. So I'm yeah. sure there's lots of, lots of studies and other ways to look at that, but I've never had a quote-unquote real job. Like, based on the reading that I'm doing, that people in the kind of real corporate world are coming to realize just the idea that spending the time in a particular location, punching the clock, is not the way anyone's doing work. It's more just about producing whatever outcome you're hired to do. Right. But you're saying, in your experience, that's not really where everyone's at yet? No. I, there's lots of people still uh, still really behind the uh, the eight ball in terms hmm. of like that kind of stuff. They're just like, I, I don't know, the, we're in this 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 sort of, uh, it's called the gig economy, right? Have you heard about this? This is like, they're talking about... A little bit, yeah. We've, we've basically shifted now to a point where it's like like kind of like a musician's life or something where where you're taking jobs as they come versus spending, you know, six, seven years at, at one place. Right. So now they're like, re-looking at that and saying, why, why are you, why would you stay there? Mm-hmm. Uh, why would we give you all these things when we can just run you and burn you out and get as much out of you as possible? Cause we know you're going to split anyway. So hopefully right. just run, <laughs> run like this red line you the whole time, red line yeah. the entire time. So you've just put out a new album in the last like year or so, but you've had a, a, a pretty long career that we've known each other for most of And I got to thinking about the idea of internal reinforcement versus external reinforcement. And as an artist that hasn't really gotten their work out beyond a certain point, you really have to rely on your own internal compass to a certain point. And I really feel like you have such a strong internal compass of what you're interested in and what you think is worthwhile as an artist. What's important about putting it out in the world versus just doing it for yourself? That's a really good question. I never really thought about, I used to find a really great, kind of felt a little less lonely in the world. You make something and then you put it out and other people connect with it. And I always liked that element of making music. Yeah. I just compartmentalize a lot of things. Is like I'm really excited about songs or a project. And then when I feel like I've done the best I can and made it what I hope that it would be, I really switch brains because I really like the packaging. I love the design. I love I love thinking about the album right. as a thing that you can hold as a tangible thing to right. represent you know, the work or the, the the concept or the project. And then I just feel like, well, I should probably try to get this in front of as many people as I can because mm-hmm. I, I put all this time and I really care about it and I think I've got something here that certain people might be interested in. But I know the, the wisdom is that that stuff shouldn't matter. And I don't let those things get in the way of what the project or what I want to do. I had a hard, like I just, I put an album out last fall and I, I pressed it all and did vinyl and it was really something to go, it, things had changed so much since my last time I had done that, that I kind of made it. And then it just felt like, okay, you know, there's a, I still have a handful of people that seem to dig what I do. So they kind of were into it right away. And then, and then kind of when that died down, it was like, you remember a time where you would make an album and you could get 
two years out of like right, playing shows yeah. and talking about it and trying to trying to turn people onto it. I felt so, like I had two months and and no one. The lifespan has really changed of like people's yeah. attention to a particular thing. That's that's a really that's a relatively recent thing. I mean, just totally. It, so that was in yeah. about a ten year span. But it really messed with my head because you I made this thing that I was really excited about and. I don't know if you just have to work way harder or maybe the album wasn't of interest to anybody. I don't really know. That part of it was really, really disappointing to me. How So the external reinforcement yeah. didn't really match up with the kind of internal reinforcement you got during the creation and during the design on the package yeah. and the music and obviously writing and the lyrics and all of that. Yeah, and that's not to say that people weren't supportive and I got lots of nice messages from people, but it just, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, I'm just trying to figure out how to not care about that side of it when you make mm -hmm. something and you put it out and then I should just be happy that I made this thing and, and mm -hmm. that the satisfaction of just finishing something and being really happy with it. I mm -hmm. mean, why, why isn't that enough? Like I was saying earlier before we sat down, the idea that I'm listening to all these podcasts, the reason I'm talking about it now is because a lot of them are talking about art, a lot of them are talking about mental health. It seems like there's an epidemic of anxiety and depression with almost everyone I talk to what I'm getting to is it seems almost entirely related to internal reinforcement or an internal compass versus expecting external reinforcement to kind of justify your being. And that plays into the social media aspect of things. It plays into people who are making work, whether it's in the arts or whether it's out in the world. It's like, if you don't get that external reinforcement co consistently, you start to wonder what your value is. Well, if you remember, we had the, even had the uh, the golden age of the MySpace. And that, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that, yeah. Really, that, that was really the start of all of that stuff that, mm -hmm. that would allow you to, to make something and get it in front of people and and uh, they could listen to it easily and know where you're playing and mm -hmm. all that stuff was there. But now it's like it's shifted to a, an entirely different point where it's just there's just so much information coming so that, at people. That's and, interesting. Yeah. I hold you up as this sort of maven of popular culture in a way that like you've turned me on to so many interesting things in my life. You turned me on to Damien Rice. You turned me on to Ryan Adams. I, I had a sense of who he was, but you really schooled me in his whole catalog and really got me into him at different stages in his career. And there's a whole list of people, you know, the frames and Glenn Hansard. And I was never the kind of guy that would sift through popular culture as it was being kind of put out there, even especially that's like all of those are kind of, you know, newer folk indie rock type things. But you were always felt to me like at the forefront of that. But now to hear you say that now it seems like it's, it's such an overwhelm of information in the last few years compared to what it was in 2007. It feels like that to you? Am I... Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's thinking the same thing. We just... <laughs> well, not only as you being a curator, but you being an artist, you're seeing it from both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. So as, as a curator, as someone who has great taste in music and is finding new things, does it feel like it's harder to find new things now? I hit a point, uh, quite frankly, like two or three years ago where I, I wasn't finding anything that I liked. I was finding the odd, you know, film or, or a TV show that was a little left of center that I would be like, well, this is really something different. And I think uh -huh. this kind of hits the mark. It doesn't resonate with me unless right. I take the, I literally have to actively take the time like I used to. And even then at those times, like I would still have other people that would turn me on to things too. And we'd be, I'll be excited about something. And you've always had such an interesting take on things because I've taken I've, I've gone off on a few tangents on some artists along the way that, that I thought were really great and then you kind of outgrow what they're doing and I always loved how I'd send you something and then I, I learned over the years I'm like Rob doesn't give a give a crap about about this production style because if he's not hearing a song 
right? You you would always see through the veneer of things that were that didn't have the same kind of substance. I think I missed out on a lot of stuff, and I continue to miss out on stuff because I'm. I just don't trust new things because they're new and I won't go right, after the right. new shiny thing. And that that sounds like a negative assessment of the way you're looking at things, but it, it's not meant that way at all. I just mean I missed out on a lot of stuff because I, I'm not an early adopter. That's the way I should characterize it. <laughs> and so you, the, you're the guy who's at, you know, out on the front of the precipice looking, looking around and seeing and picking and choosing things and taking chances on things. And then I'll get the benefit of that. But by the time I've decided whether I like it, it's a year later and I'm late on the, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I would just took it that you kind of had a no bullshit approach to the, uh, you're yeah. like, oh, I don't really get this. This kind of whatever. I remember a few times sending you things and, and kind of getting that dial. You're like, I don't really, like I, I know why you're excited by this, but I don't really hear anything beyond yeah, yeah. it being some new edgy thing or whatever. Like, is it going to last? I always feel like I wanted to find something timeless in it. Yeah, yeah. And I've and, heard lots of records over the last bunch of years where where I felt like in the moment, like this is going to be a, an important record to me for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And then there have been a lot of stuff that I've stayed with and then other things that I, I'd listened back to going, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of over it. Like, right. I don't mean to be dismissive or like kind of hipster-like about, oh yeah, that's not cool. It's not like that's not cool anymore because I don't give a crap about, you know, if someone's still making something that's resonating with me, I don't care if other people like it or not. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't really chase new things the same way that I used to. And you think you, that it was deliberate in your mind when you... When I was just, were... I just felt like I had the tools and was so excited about, about, um, about new sounds and what people huh. were doing because I was just so passionate about what other people were doing. And I just huh. wanted to be constantly inspired by stuff because it fed my own desire to want to be a better writer right. and, and musician and have a broader range of things to draw from to make something and to, uh-huh. you know, in, in, in hopes that I'd be finding my own voice along the way. But just uh, I just felt like I was just tuned into it more. Once I had a child and and, and all the technology shifted in a way too, where like I... I, uh, I'm just getting back like in the last year or so to like really getting into things, like really diving into stuff and taking the time to say, you know, I don't want Apple to tell me <laughs> who right. they think See, I should listen that's to. That's interesting. And I distrust, I distrust and, 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 and equally freaked out by these algorithms now where you play something that you actually like. We right. sift in now, yeah, yeah, okay, you can have any artist, anytime, anywhere in the world, but you, you got to sift through the garbage. Yeah. And I always, res- I always, I understand what they were trying to say, but I always felt it was super arrogant. And it's like, well, I'm capable of sifting. Thanks. You're saying things have changed. You don't have as much time, both because you're a father and, but do you think one of the bigger things is just getting older and being less open to, to new things or, you know, all the things that getting older bring with it? It's entirely possible. I, I just know when I hear something that I really like, I get really excited. And then I try to trace back, like, how did I even come across this in the first place? Like, I, it's a romantic idea, but I still remember being a kid and having that experience where it was just enough just to listen to the music. That was, it just captured yeah. your attention and you were fully into it. You sat and did nothing Nothing with that. else. I, I would sit and I'll, yeah. lie on my back with headphones on for yeah. hours. Yeah, especially when it had like really big liner notes or like... Yeah, yeah, just pop, read the out. liner. Yeah, and just so, read along the lyrics. Like, that. yeah, yeah. We don't do that anymore. And that's I, the only way that I, I do that stuff. I don't even know half the time who makes the records anymore. I'm really into this record by Tim Baker right now, and if you know... Uh, no, I him, don't. He, he used to be in um, Hey Rosetta, that band. Okay. I was just listening to it on Apple Music and I'm completely obsessed with it. But now I like it so much, but it drives me nuts that I have no idea who produced it, who plays on it. When I get into it, I want to know everything about it. And, and right. uh, I'm just so disconnected from the people making records, which bums right. me out for people like you who are still actively making awesome music. And 
the, the fact that somebody may not necessarily know who is involved in the making of some music that you were involved in or other, you know, hardworking, talented people, you know, right. people just don't know anymore. But I, I, I wonder, like, the kind of person who was likely to do that 10 years ago is still likely to do it now, and the kind of person who probably wouldn't have done it, wouldn't have given a shit 10 years ago, probably still doesn't give a shit, so right. not... Not much has changed in that way, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's a good point. I, I do find, though, just from my own experience, that I'll listen to stuff that I like, and that's about it, though. And what I, did you used to do? Well, I would just always have some type of physical media. So no matter what, there was at least some kind of basic ritual that you would buy the CD or whatever, and you'd crack it open, and you'd put it on. You just look, Even if it was only for five minutes... But there's stuff that I guess maybe it's just maybe it speaks to the fact that a lot of things just aren't grabbing my attention enough to know. I'm like, I need to know who is involved in this. Yeah, and, me too. You know? I, I, if I really get excited about something, I, I need to know too. Yeah. Especially if it sounds great. It's incredible the, the amount of times that I'll hear something and it immediately tweaks my ear. And it's one of two guys. It's it's guys. It, it's it's Ethan Johns <laughs> right. or T-Bone Burnett, yeah, right? Yeah. That's happened to me so many times in the last maybe five years where I won't notice anything new going by and then something new will come on and I'll go, whoa, that sounds amazing. And of course, it's and one of those two guys. And you look it up and ends up being one of those guys. <laughs> That's awesome though. That's how consistent your ear is. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That they have such a refined sonic palette that they work within, yeah. right? Yeah. And I feel like with your songwriting, for instance, Truth is a Change, that's a song that I can barely listen to because it hits me so hard right, right from the first time I ever heard it. How deliberate writing a song like that was? Like, is that the something that hits you like a lightning bolt? Or is it a, is something that you refined over a long period and you had something you were working towards? That's so kind of you to say that. I know you've always mentioned that you that song always hit you really hard. And uh, that one was just one of those lightning bolt songs that just kind of, yeah, it came out really fast. I went through a period where I'd finished Tiny Increments and then I kind of played around with that record for a couple of years and then moved north. Yeah, yeah. And didn't do anything. Like, I just couldn't get anything happening. And, and then um, we had talked a lot because I knew that my plan was when I made a new record, I wanted you to produce it. I don't remember if the breakthrough happened through conversations with you, but the whole concept of that album was writing like kind of tiny songs that were uh, like, I had my little studio set up uh, where I would just kind of demo stuff. And it was outside of my son's room and I couldn't wake him up. So I kind of had to play really delicately. And I think you had helped me with like getting the songs, like the arrangements and the keys. Like my instinct was always to play higher and sing harder and you kind of like the sort of style of my voice in a certain way and I don't remember if that was part of an initial little slate of demos that we had worked on together before we went and recorded it I get confused about whether we went to the cabin so your father-in-law Gus's cabin right yeah yeah that's right we went up there to work on some of my self-titled record and we ended up doing your album Quiet Company there as well that's right but I forget which one we started working on first and what led to the next thing, because we kind of worked on them both back and forth. Like, I think we just loved that dynamic of being in that space and just working, like, all the time. For right? a full weekend, you yeah. know, and just committing to it. Well, I, it was I pretty that. incredible what we what we could accomplish when we would just get up, you know, make a meal, and then get at it, right? Yeah, yeah. And we, had a, we, had the, and, we had a blast. I loved doing that. What had you done before? What was the process before we got there? Because I got to hear the songs, and I was blown away, especially that song. And, and I just wonder, so you say it was more like that song came fully formed kind of thing, like where yeah. you, you didn't sit to yourself and think, I'm going to write this song. This is something I want to say. See, this is a th thing I have with songwriting. I uh, It doesn't work for me 
if I know what I want to say. It has to be more like archaeology. It has yeah. to be more like I have to find out after the fact as I'm doing it what I'm trying to say subconsciously. Because if I'm trying to say something, it just feels clumsy. So a song like that to me is so kind of profound and heavy. It's got these evocative lyrics that to me just take me somewhere, but it's not that specific. But I like that it's not too specific. Yeah, most most of the time for me, I just I just hit on a vibe, like a like a little lick or something that just makes me feel like singing. And then I just you know, I do the usual thing where you just kind of start mumbling out and making words up as you go along. But right. like um and I know you're a big fan of the dictaphone, which now we yeah, just yeah. use our voice recorder on the iPhone or whatever. Yeah. I've had times where I'm not sure if it's any good or not. I don't even sure you know the feeling where you just play on your guitar and you can just kind of sing and riff on something and it just feels good. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you've got something and and it's been a while. Like I I, I truthfully can't remember wanting to say the things in that song. I I, I think I was struck by a line in a book. And it was oh, like the first how? line, but really? not, nothing about the chorus or anything. Just it got me started, and then I just started writing, and it kind of came out. I'm surrounded by a love that fills a space. Once you had a few lines, did you sit down with what you have and then say, okay, what am I trying to say here, and then flesh it out? Or is it really your kind of line by line singing stuff subconsciously letting yourself wander and then kind of taking notes from yeah, that yeah that's yeah, yeah. yeah. i've done that it's too slightly yeah. autobiographical and it's also stream of conscious like it, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you just start just writing things out and they just sort of come out and then you i kind of know what i'm getting at but i don't want to be too obvious about it yeah yeah i'm, I'm just paranoid of using a cliche and but you've got you've got the line truth is a change we do not want once you say that you can say you can rhyme whatever the fuck you want with what <laughs> I, then you've got free reign truth is the silence makes it easy truth is a change we do not that, that line hits me so heavy, I just have to go and lie down for a minute. That's heavy, I'm, man. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, that's so flattering that, that like anything that if I wrote something that made someone like you feel that way, I feel like what else, what, what more could you ask for? And I didn't really know that I had anything. Like I felt like I was kind of okay. Because I've showed you a lot of stuff over the years and you're so you're such a great person to bounce things off of because you're so just straightforward to be like, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it sounds you, like you, a you, euphemism. You're like, oh fuck. No, What's but it's fucking... it's fantastic. Like, how do you what what better barometer can you have than somebody that's honest with you? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I remember showing you stuff being like truthfully like really excited about it and have you going, huh? And I always it just <laughs> blew my mind. I just, I just loved it because I've had to, you know, kind of traverse those those grounds writing with other people or producing with other people and have them show you something they're really excited about and kind of be like, yeah, I don't really think that... Uh... Anyway, what I'm trying to say is by doing that, when you got really excited about something in my mind, you'd have no reason to make that up because you'd already demonstrated right. that you had no problem saying that you weren't into it. So right. I distinctly remember how excited you were about that song and that gave me the juice to think that I was onto something. And that's really, for me, that, that works wonders because I have so much self-doubt right. about, and so that about was... what I do that, that, that I don't think it's any good. Or, and so when someone like you, who I respect so much and is honest with me, when you get really excited, I get really excited and I, I can trust you, right? You've been doing these Halloween yes, songs, my, some darker, darker songs. Yeah. And so people who may only know you superficially might not know that you kind of have this darker side. And so... <laughs> I kind of just wanted to throw that out there at you. Like, 
you know, you got pretty grisly on uh, some of those Halloween oh, songs. Yeah. The and, Halloween and, ones, I just had no barriers. I'm like, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to... I think it's all just rooted in trying to tell a compelling story, I think, and building some unexpected elements because, you know, when I would play live or talk or the way that I would write online, I was obviously very, like, just really, really outgoing and mostly just goofy. And, and, and straightforward I, and really friendly and kind of, I don't know, for whatever reason, my my public persona and people who know me casually will always just say, well, he's a nice guy. You know, he's a nice guy. Right. He's friendly. And then they'll listen to some song of yours and go, whoa, dude, that's dark. That's dark. And they man, think, yeah. where did that come from? So yeah. you must run into that, right? It's more of a performance thing, but I really, I've just always been really drawn to juxtaposition like that, where along the way you get to play it like a church or something. And, right. and I always had to play Cold Cold Man yeah, or something. Yeah, I yeah. just couldn't resist being, you know, having that environment that you're playing in and doing something dark and really yeah, yeah. Al almost borderline inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. You get to embody that character oh, yeah, yeah. and it feels great, right? Yeah, yeah. I have this song called uh, Slow Blood from my, my Halloween uh -huh. archive and it's a pretty grisly thing and uh, I play actually something that I play live all the time still. Uh -huh. I just get a, a, a laugh out of like just seeing people's faces when you're you know, playing some upbeat stuff and talking and being relatively jovial and then I always just say this song this song's about uh, finding someone that you really love and then locking them in a basement and slowly draining their blood until they die. My love, warm skin, slow blood. My love, and mine alone, your perfection, your adore. There was a period in my life where I wanted to write really meaningful stuff and, and I was just so happy and everything was going great in my life and I found it really difficult. And so I started, you know, just walking around the city and kind of painting myself and, or, what, you know, he would hear a couple arguing or something on the sidewalk and just kind of wonder what that's about. What that life was. And, I, and, I, and so by the time I got to the studio, I'd have some new idea uh -huh. of something that I observed or something that I felt or saw and then just try to start making something of that energy. Right. I wanted to ask you about, from your new album, the second I first realized, it feels like it's that kind of song, like you're describing, maybe. You know, first verse is she, yeah. second verse is he. Is that one of those songs where you observed someone else's life and kind of went somewhere with it, or is it... It's a bit of that. That one. That one's a weird one. Um, but I was always struck with this idea of running into people from your past more frequently. Right. You know, and, and as, that, as that can happen, there's people that are going to run into people that they had relationships with in the past. And sometimes, you know, you get those melancholy feelings sometimes. And this, again, this is, it's totally observational. But I've seen so many times now where we'd be out with somebody and they go, oh, shit, don't look, here's so-and-so. And -so. And just running through that dread of like, could you imagine, like, I'm living in this place now where the reality of running into people that you don't Like always... someone you dated for years yeah. in high school or something yeah. like and that. Then, and then the inevitability of, you know, of this, this melancholy idea that maybe someone's unhappy with where they're at, and now they have to play out that scenario in their head where, wow, I wonder if I stayed with that person, what my life would be like. David was her personal ghost A memory now but once so very close that one was very deliberate. I wanted to actually make it more. I, there's, I had two other verses for that song. So you weren't really happy with it in in the end. Well, the, I think the economy of of it being tighter makes it a better, like easier song to listen to. It's already kind of maybe even a little 
a little too much. But but at the same time, I wanted it to be feel like a mosaic, like all these different snapshots of these people thinking different things and coming into contact with their past, wow. and 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 wondering if they made the right choice or are on the right path now in that second guessing. So like a little and, bunch of vignettes. Yeah. It's funny, I was expecting you to say that was a personal thing because the idea of you're the one I love above the rest and even when you're mad, you feel it too. I think we're mixing up songs, my friend. That's a line from- Oh, no, that's uh, great together. Great, yeah. That's great together. Okay, yeah. so I- Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. So I was talking about that and then I got on okay. to Great Together and I wanted to deal with that. And I'm like, no, I'm conflating those two songs. Yeah, Great Together is 100% autobiographical. <laughs> it's about my life. Yeah. Okay, okay so no, that's good. I that's... did want to get in. I did want to yeah, get yeah. into that song. That's my favorite song for, just because it's really like upbeat and fun. And I just had never really stretched that side. So like, just so unapologetically, it's like yeah, a synth yeah. pop song. Or it's woke like... up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I that's said... like, that's just relationship stuff. And I, wa and I wanted, like I hadn't, really had a, a song like that. Like I've been so fortunate in my relationship that it's mostly just bliss all the time. And I wanted to write something where it was still a romantic idea that that you can be mad at me and, and but still, you know. See, I love that. I love that. Also, I've been in this relationship for 17 years and it's such a gratifying thing and, and you keep learning. But to hear someone who I know has also been in a long-term committed relationship to sing a song like that, that it kind of has a bit of the downside, but it's still ultimately a sunny song and a celebratory song. Yeah. Right? So many of the love songs that you hear are either breakup songs or like young love songs. They're not, you know, we're 20 years in and I still love you and come on, don't you still love me too, right? Yeah. That's, that, that, that's such a great idea, right? That's, that's, that's essentially all that it is. It's like that inevitability of you can be mad at me, you can wonder what your life might be like without me, but at the end of the day, you know that we're great together and... Just accept that. Uh, makes me smile. No, but you, you, you that accept I... that, and it also means that 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 it's that it's all okay. All this stuff, all the other things that happen, everyone gets mad at each other, and I just I just think that's it's a funny dynamic to play on. That that it's a, a fun pop song, and it's about someone being mad at you, but being like, oh come on though, you know, right? <laughs> wife is going to hear this. So Stacy, what does she say about this? How does she, because I know her she, pretty well. How does she react to a song yeah, like this? Look where you're, you know, you woke up really, on the wrong side of the bed. She, I'm sure she knows that it, that it's about us. That one's pretty, pretty she, obvious. She, see, and, I would assume based on what I know yeah. of her that she would, okay, now we got to talk about this. I have those days all the time where I just kind of wake up feeling low and annoyed there's yeah. nothing to do with anybody else. I just, sure. I just, you know, I'm grumpy. Yeah. And there's nothing worse and better at the same time than somebody going, "Oh, come on, yeah, come on, yeah. just smile. <laughs> Get it, come on, why, why are you so grouchy? Why are you so grouchy, Rob? It's yeah. a great day. The sun is shining. I know, I know. You need some coffee, and you're grouchy. And I just, I just think that's it's a funny kind of kind of uh, dynamic to play on. That that it's a a fun pop song. And it's about someone being mad at you, but being like, oh, come on, though, you know, right? <laughs> Just to oversimplify the, the, the idea, but that, that's kind of the spirit of that. Yeah. She knows that, but she's never really said. She, she hasn't really, no, we didn't really, taken you to task full on about that. Not really. Most of the stuff through our years of writing songs is that because I've done a lot of observational writing, you know, she's probably had people ask her, like, assuming a breakup song or a mad song or a heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Like everything's about her. Like if it sounds right. like it's about a girl, it's about her. And it's 
it is in a way because I wouldn't write without her in my life, right? It's just one of those things where where no matter what I'm writing about, she's usually my inspiration, even if it's not about her specifically. Yeah. I just can't get to a place where I want to write and, and I'm happy unless that stuff's all working. Yeah. I, otherwise, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll write, but it just won't, it won't be, it won't be good stuff. It'll be all, uh, you know, misery, uh, too dark to manage. Meaning if you two are at odds. Yeah, or if we had like a, a stretch where th- where things weren't going well, the the writing wouldn't be wouldn't be good. I could be interested in something dark or something depressing or melancholy, mm-hmm. but it's still usually filled by being satisfied and grateful and in love with somebody else. Like it's wow. just it's weird, right? I'll tell you. Here I am with my partner Kat in a seventeen plus year relationship, and all around us people are getting divorced. There's disharmony. People are in long term relationships, whether they're married or not. I can't imagine getting the fulfillment and the nourishment and the the happiness any other way. You're further along in it than we are. To hear you sing a song like that really fills me up and to hear you talk about it in this way and to hear you say you can't really do your art without it. So then you must be seeing it around you. It seems like in our culture, things are falling apart more and more. Yeah, I mean, definitely the... Uh... The, the the numbers are 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 showing up in in our in our group of friends and people yeah. that we know and in our family you know it seems like uh, people people break up all the time people get divorced yeah. and, and and a lot of them are shocking and you'd never especially people that you you wouldn't think what that would happen yeah, to yeah. it feels kind of it feels surreal to me sometimes that you become part of that statistic or people that you know and love become a part of that statistic and it's always pretty crazy but. Um, I feel like, and may even have had my own personal breakthrough just through this conversation and thinking about making music and who it's for. And I and I realized that, um, and I, I've always known this, but it's like Stacy's my most important. You know, if she if she thinks she's like, if you've been frank, like she, if I show her something and she doesn't like it, she's never been shy saying that she doesn't Isn't like that it. Great. Right? Yeah, Kat's the same with me. People have asked her for years and years, what's it like? Oh, it must be so nice to have a musician for a husband or a songwriter. And he writes all these lovely songs about you. And she's kind of like, meh. <laughs> not, not that it doesn't mean something to her. I just mean it's, we've been together for so long that it's not like something that she's, she takes pause and, and that's what she's, you know, doesn't like it or she's been my longest and most important supporter. And, and I'm just realizing that maybe that's what it's all about, Rob. I mean, right. if I can't, get her behind something that I'm doing and maybe, maybe it's not to say it's without purpose, but I can't, I can't drive towards something I'm passionate about without her support. Right. And I mean, can't because I can't, I can't get there. I don't mean because she pulls me back or of course, yeah, or yeah, yeah, me, but I can't get the place that I need to go to be focused and work hard enough on something that means something to me with, unless I know that, uh, that she's on board. Just within yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Like it's yeah. totally, not something that she puts on me. I mean, I could go do it, but I just feel like it, it would feel hollow and kind of pointless. Yeah, that's um, that's profound. Wow. So so let me ask you this. Now that I've been in this relationship for that many years, I sometimes get people asking me this, like, what do you guys do to make it work? How do you keep engaged or how do you, you know, what do you guys do? Is this something you guys talk about or is this something, there must be some deliberate things that you guys are doing. The one, the one variable in our life is that we have a child and, and that, uh, it's been such a journey. Like, like we had a rough kind of colicky childhood and, you know, we didn't sleep a whole lot for quite a long time. And that's sort of changed how we look at our free time and we don't plan out things like we used to, but that the variable having a, having a child in there, and we only have one and it overwhelms us sometimes the amount of time 
and emotional stuff that it takes to make it all work. Yeah. And it, and it definitely, if we didn't watch it, 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 could, it definitely gets in the way of the kind of life that you want to have like just the two of us basis with it. Sure. It's just, it's changed our, our son's 10 now and it's just changed the way that we handle our free time. We, we felt really deeply about when we had a child that it was going to be our priority, right? And, and so um, we knew that that would have an impact on our relationship and our ability to have time. And we don't often like go out just the two of us to do things because it's a new dynamic and, and I don't really... It still feels new to you. To hear you say that well, 10 it's years the, in. It's always changing. It, it, right. It's some, always some days new. are like, we're so bored out of our minds that we're, that the days feel like forever. But then, then sometimes it's just like, wow, how did, I don't know. Every time you talk to another parent, it's like, can you believe they're 10 now? Like it just, everyone says the same thing. Like, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, you know and, and you see people like, can you believe it's been fine? I know. I know. Where does the time go? It's, it's funny. And I, I, I'm fascinated by that just human interaction because we just all say that all the time. But there, I, there I, we I are. think that a lot about kids. I just think kids must think, you know, once they get to the age where they're, they're having their own thoughts and they're, they're, you know, breaking the world down a little bit and you're like, what's wrong with adults? Do they all have brain damage? The only thing any of them can say to me is, I can't believe how tall you yeah, are. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Sam is a funny guy. He's deeply, deeply uh, sensitive. And so, uh -huh. you know, we have, we have he's, he's mature beyond his years in, in terms of his sensitivity. And we talk about real life sometimes. And he's, yeah. he's really insightful and also confused by things like that sometimes. Yeah, that must blow your mind. Well, he's a product of his, of his generation as well too, right? Like kids... I wouldn't call it an entitlement, but it's like, I always tell this to him, like the idea of being bored. I'm like, that's a luxury. Do you understand? Yeah. Like you need to learn how to just lay out and look at the sky and be okay with just being alive and not need to be entertained, right? And they have this weird expectation. And maybe that's a parenting thing. It probably yeah, is. But yeah. So I'm going to ask you, like, how, how do you teach him that? How do you... See, I run into this, for instance, I was having this discussion with a bunch of musician buddies at, at a gig we were playing the other day. It happened to be around Christmas, you know, just bombarded with all this commercialism as it relates to Christmas. But kids, they're naive to it. They don't see the whole game and they don't see the corporations just bludgeoning people with buy, 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 buy. Yeah. And so I start to hear some of this back from my young nephew and I hear him talking, you know, you can hear him regurgitating messages and talking about brands and talking about sort of the hierarchy of brands yeah. and you can hear him being indoctrinated. Yeah. And I just want to start telling him stuff, Yeah. yeah. right? And then I think... That's not the way to go about it. That's some heavy stuff, Rob. I mean, well, I, if I had the answers for that, but... <laughs> well, you, you, well, you're you, a parent, you're all, in the trenches, you, so you do something, All you right? can do is keep it simple and reinforce the idea that these things, you know, they don't they don't make you any happier. They don't make you any better than anyone else because you have this or, or someone else doesn't have this thing or... Um, and to just start noticing your own behavior, that thing you had to have, you know, three months ago, it's been laying on your, in the corner in your bedroom for that right. time. You don't care about it, but do you remember how you felt? So you say you, that, you'll oh, say that Oh, we talk about him. this stuff all the time. Really? We, it's a bit of an issue. And because he's an only child, we don't have some of the same economical constraints. Like it's a lot easier for us to slip into that stuff if we're not careful, because it's not that big a deal to buy something like the kids went this phase where right, they right. these putties and they're like six bucks or something or those fidget spinners. And yeah, yeah. you know, it's not that big a deal, but they want it and then it's in in their junk drawer. Oh yeah, I mean, I was the same way with dinky cars when I was a kid. You know, you, you wanted the thing, right? Yeah, I remember like like uh, maybe five years ago, he would watch want to watch like a, a kid show on YouTube or something. Mm. There's commercials like every like they're they're figuring out, of course, inevitably figuring out the way to run these algorithms and the things that you look at are now the things you get commercials about. Exactly, right? It's so smart. The trail of data is so long that 
it's worse because you can watch Saturday morning cartoons. And I, and I remember even being a kid, you watch the cartoons and three of them would be for Barbie dolls. You'd be like, that's stupid or whatever, right? But now it's like the commercials coming at you are literally crap that you've... They're well, oh, yeah, well they know, targeted. They know what you want and what you're looking at and what you yeah. talk about. And so you get hit with the stuff that and you're the, really tempted by, which is sure. which is always the, the the intent in the first place, right? And so so, do, you, so yeah. do you school him on that? Do you say, hey, so you know the reason why you're seeing those shoes now oh, that yeah. you say you want is because you've already searched for them. Yeah. And now, you explain, okay, they're targeting you. And so they're trying to play on... Whatever, yeah. which which in some ways obviously is good, but in other ways not so good. Yeah, but kids these days are like like um, you know we try our best kids to limit screen time, and it's it's really hard. And, is it? Uh, yeah, but it's it's more about the dynamics of getting home after a long day of work and and like needing time to make dinner. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, so go watch your show or something, or go play a game or whatever. The best thing to do would be to engage them and have them to help you make the meal and do that. Mm-hmm. But you don't always have the time and the patience, and it's that's just real life. I'm not sure. It's not the ideal ideal way to do things, but the temptation is always. It's just right there. It's just so easy to go. Just go. Just go do something right. while I do this thing. Before we had a child, no one ever talked like. Yeah. No one was ever honest about the challenges. Everyone was, just, oh, oh, you got kids, just the greatest, just the greatest. And we had, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, you know, not that it's harder than any other thing. I don't. I mean, within context of my own, my own life and my own privileged existence, I think you just you just have to just say what you mean, have boundaries, and be consistent about the message. Like if you go off on some convoluted tangent about how the government's poisoning us all, they just they lose interest, right? So it's yeah. like consistent messaging it's your own little version of propaganda back to your own child <laughs> to be you know so it's a crazy world i want to dig a little more into the algorithms and how they target things you taught me a lot about how facebook works or how myspace worked you know when it was relevant and how to get your website optimized in certain ways to get people's attention and how to get all those things to work together to get your message out and so now that things have evolved so much in the last decade, you know, what are you thinking about these days about where stuff's at and and how does it affect your life? It doesn't affect it too much now, but I I feel like we're finally at that point where it's hard to get around it without money now. You got to buy ads. Yeah, there's been sweet spots where, as an early adopter, whether it was technology or social uh-huh. media or something, where if you really rolled up your sleeves and learned how it worked. You know, even just simple things like SEO, like that's really the only way to drive people to your website now. Mm-hmm. But everyone's buying up the SEO and the the Google AdWords thing is insane. Mm-hmm. People are going to have to know you exist to find your website unless you're paying for it or unless you happen to be lucky enough to be a commodity that's unique <laughs> that right. people are actively seeking out. Yeah. It seemed like you were kind of an early adopter and you you engage with people in a certain way that I remember it blowing my mind. For instance, we played a show in Montreal together and you had made friends online before we got there that you had real connections with, yeah, right? And yeah. you, that was that kind of blew my mind. That wasn't obvious then, the idea that you could really have these relationships and that they would transfer into the real world. Right. So where thought, do you think things are at now and how yeah. are you engaged with That was such a magical media? time because that's when it really made sense is because it was really easy to find like-minded people that were interested in the same things and especially like as a musician, I want to put on a show and want people to come to your show and you're like, hey, who likes this kind of music in this area? And you could find people like that. And now... It, it's strange uh, outside of what are the like technically how the algorithms are working. What I find so fascinating about it now 
is that the initial drive was to expand the amount of people that you would know and be able to interact with and share ideas and talk about things with and reach out to family and friends that you weren't necessarily in the same location as. And now with the onslaught of everybody's opinion and, you know, just posting memes and stuff all day, I think what people now are just, they're just whittling down who they interact with. Right. And Everyone's got more than enough. They're not looking for, for anyone extra. I, I, they're th- overwhelmed I think so. And I think with, they've been doing this for quite a while. People yeah. always talk about how they're, how they're, they're limiting their, their, uh, their friends list and, and, uh. At the end of the day, I think people just don't want to hear opinions that they disagree with. That's really my my take on the thing now is people just want to curate their own experience. They want to see, you know, cute puppy videos, cool recipes. (laughs) The thing that strikes me the most, and and I'm not, I'm actually not using social media a whole lot these days. I'll post the odd little thing on Instagram, but I haven't really used Facebook in about six months. And Mm -hmm. sometimes people send me messages, so I'll see that sometimes and go check my messages. But I don't really scroll the feed or interact there no. anymore. Why, why do you think that is? What, what, is that deliberate? Is it? Yeah, it's totally deliberate. Part of it was I went through a period where I was doing a lot of social media work and I was just so burnt out and on being on my phone and just, it just, but ultimately I just found it to be just such a time suck. Like you would just, before you knew it, you just blown half an hour just looking at stupid stuff that well, you yeah, didn't yeah. Care about. Well, yeah, I went through that just just promoting yeah. my myself when I was actively promoting my music, like, you know, as an artist career. Yeah. I, I totally relate. And I don't mean it like with any disrespect to people. There's lots of people that I love that are on there posting things and doing things and doesn't mean that I have a problem with that in any way. But for me to be productive and to do things, I can't have those kinds of distractions or else I'm down the rabbit hole. And I'm just looking at stuff. And before you know it, I'm like 17 YouTube videos deep on some subject I hadn't thought about in 10 years. And I go, what? Where did, what, what just happened? happened? I go through stages where it's pretty self-serving. You know, I'll have something to promote. I'll be doing something out in the world that I want people to know about. And so I'll be engaged and I'll, for better or worse, you know, do the best I can with it and try and limit my time, but try and have some back and forth. And then when I'm just straight up producing people, there isn't really a lot of interaction with the outside world. So I'm, I'm silent for, you know, six months or a year just yeah. because I really don't find a reason to go on there unless I've got something to yell about. So that's probably not good because <laughs> it's, you know, it's not, re- it's not really as much of a two-way street. Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I, I I didn't care before because I didn't really know how to reach people in any other way. Like right. you don't have, you don't see people and you you have a show or a, a song or something you're really excited about. How how else do you tell them about it now? Right. Um, I mean, some people have been really diligent in keeping email lists and are really good with their, you know, that stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel like the point of it is is to engage with other people. And, and if you're not going to do that, then then you probably shouldn't. See, there you, there you go. It, right? That's a good point. Um, what I'm fascinated with is I've got quite a few friends who never got on like Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. to begin with. They haven't done it at all. At all. And now I'm coming back around going, wow, you know, you guys had it right from the beginning. From like, the... I've always been fascinated by, like, I hate the word content and everyone uses it even yeah. more now than ever. But like, I think I got on, on Facebook in 2007 and I, I probably have like 2,000 photos on Facebook or yeah. something, right? Over shows and family stuff and yeah. trips and it boggles my mind when you take a step and you look back at some of those things and you get, you know, how it adds up over time. I just... I have some friends who who use it as a scrapbook for that. I'm sure lot, lots of people do. Yeah. Like where, where that's what they use Instagram for, yeah. for instance. Like it's, 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 this is my scrapbook of my life and I'm good with that. Yeah. 
I, I know the tools exist, and it's one thing that I lament on a regular basis is I, I, I'm so into photography, and I don't like that I don't have physical photos really? anymore. Huh. And it's the only way sometimes that I, you just put them there, but why can't I just have somewhere better to put them that they don't have to be public. It just, here's my memories, here's my favorite shots. Well, you and could do that in, in a cloud of course, somewhere. Of course, I, I totally know that you that don't. exists. I just don't. And then I lament that I've got to put all this stuff over here to see it. But I'll be lying if I if I haven't had something pop up in a memory or gone, like I'll go scrolling back through my own photos right. all the time. And I love seeing comments on photos from three years ago or I'll post a photo of Sam sure. or like an awesome afternoon at the beach or something. And then the photo serves its purpose in the sense that it brings that memory to life and you remember what that was like. And then other people are like, oh, wow. And uh -huh. yeah, I find that that really satisfying. I don't know why. So I don't regret posting things online. I just, it's the spirit of it that bugs me. The um, spirit of, what do you mean well, just, when you just say that? Well, just the idea that, you know, it's like that that humble brag phenomenon, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah. people are like, most people, 99% of the people only post it when they look their best, when they're doing something, quote unquote, enviable. You know, I think people kind of get off on that idea that people are going, are jealous of something happening mm -hmm. in their life or where mm -hmm. they're traveling to or what they're doing or what show they're at or... Yeah, it's just the nature of the thing. I mean, you of want course. it to be, yeah, you want it to be entertaining in some way. I mean, even yeah. though people are posting pictures of their breakfast, they still have some idea that I'm entertaining somebody, hopefully, at some point, yeah, right? Yeah, lots of, lots of great conversations and dialogue comes out of that stuff. I've had yeah. great talk about, about stuff. Lots of people I follow are into like sports and they'll talk about the game last night and yeah. or they'll, they'll talk about a show they saw or a movie they saw. And that's all part of socializing. And I like all of that stuff. Um, it's just hard to cherry pick the things that you get involved with, right? So I, I'd rather have kind of a blanket approach and just either I'm on there and I'm going to do the things that I like to do and talk to the people that I like to talk to, or I'm not. Yeah, I'm hoping that at some point it's just more it's more meaningful. You know how like the like or the heart on Instagram is like that's how you acknowledge that you've seen something and that yeah. you approve of your friend's activity. You're like yeah, it's yeah, your totally. thumbs up, right? Yeah. And I think I sent Stacy a message or a photo through just texting. And she hearted it. Yeah. Love acknowledged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it freaked me out. Yeah. And I send you emojis all the time, but... Because you're doing but... it semi-ironically anyway, or yeah, we are, yeah. we sort of understand each other, even though we've never talked about it to, until now. Yeah. And, I, and, yeah. I, and I guess I know that that's it, and I hate to be that old man shaking my fist at the cloud about everything, where it's like, oh, that's so stupid. I don't see it it's, that way. I mean, no, it's for, the, for the, the bigger picture, yeah. Yeah. But I do wonder about it in just terms of communication, how we talk to one another. It's, it's like you send somebody something and you get a you know the thumbs up so i have a few friends that only use that and annoys the shit out of me sometimes I know you mean. Like, like you took the time to you know you put some time into expressing an idea in a particular way and all you get is a <clears throat> yeah like you acknowledged know. you're right right yeah there's that old uh, jim gaffigan joke that he's like i don't know if it's old but he goes he's like we're just gonna roll up to like drive through windows and just go two and you just <laughs> Like that's it. Just, that's it. It's gonna, no more. Yeah, it's like the people who in in pubs will request the tragically hip, and they'll just go, you know, the dude with the backwards cap going hip, hip, hip. No, like, hey man, do you know the tragic? Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hip. Not even. Doesn't even matter what it's right. Like, yeah, it's great. Is there anything else that you've been thinking about that you think would be fun to talk about? Anything you've been mulling over in the shower? <laughs> I don't know, Rob. I, I really meander and I talk a lot. I don't know that uh, any of this will be useful to anybody. I really enjoyed uh, 
having our conversation recorded like this because this is what we do when we get together anyway. But yeah, it's been quite surreal. I want to make more music. I want to make more music with you. I want to just do things that feel good and make beautiful things that feel right and feel good and just for the sake of doing it. I just want to do more creative things and, and get back focused on being productive in that realm. Get more. back into the the internal compass and the internal reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I like that you put it that way. I'm going to use that from, right? from now on. Well, where where can people find you online? I have my website. It's scottcoopermusic.com. I don't do a whole lot with it these days, but it is a destination on the web that you can hear some music and see some yeah. things. And I have the Instagram at scottcoopermusic. That's where you can find me, though I don't post a whole lot, but I will give you a heart or a thumbs up if you uh, if you post something, as, a, right. as a good social friend does. And... Uh, Scott, thanks for thanks. thinking to come and hang out and talk with me in this way. I feel grateful that you'd uh, even think to listen to some of my tunes and ask me some some great questions. And thanks so much, it, brother. Really. Thank you. I love you, my friend. <laughs> love you too, Scott. All right. And sometimes why episode number one. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for coming along with me on this this first episode. I got to say, man, this has been a big thing for me, and uh, I'm feeling relieved that I got through it. Um, there's a few things I want to leave you with. We're going to be doing this every Wednesday. So subscribe through whatever podcast app you want to use that you already use, of course. What I'll be doing with every episode also is... I'll be creating Spotify playlists for all the music that you hear, so you can check that out after the show. And please rate us on Apple Music, like us, follow us, do whatever you're going to do on whatever app you're using. That goes a really long way to helping spread the word and uh, just get the word out about this thing if you like it. So take care of yourselves this week. Be good to people out in the world, wherever you are. And thanks for giving a shit. (laughs) 